0: Welcome to Zoots MMA Talk, the Mixed Martial Arts Show, where we bring it to you straight up with no twists. How's everybody doing out there this evening, Tuesday, March the 28th, 2017, the return of our MMA podcast, live and well. A little bit later on, we'll be speaking with Eric from New Jersey, UFC fighter, making his UFC debut, Desmond Green is slated a little bit later on as well. And a female MMA upstart, Felicia Spencer, also to join us a little bit later on. Felicia coming off an impressive victory in the latest Invicta installment. And my uh, co-host for this evening to get things started, a prominent mixed martial artist in his own right, all six foot five of them, Mr. Nick Rossborough. Welcome back, buddy. How you doing?
1: I'm doing awesome, man. And yourself? Been a minute.
0: Can't complain. Can't complain. Everything's all well. And uh, thank you for asking. And uh, before we get into the world of mixed martial arts, or so this is the world of mixed martial arts, and one particular topic, yourself, uh, talk about what you've been doing since we've last spoken. What you have on the horizon?
2: Um,
1: I. Uh... I took about an 18-month layoff, um, getting stuff straight with myself, you know. I changed camps, changed management, and uh, had my first fight back in November for King of the Cage against a game's opponent, Dale Soapy, And then with, uh, with further ado, you know, I uh, about a month ago, a little bit of a month ago, I signed a four-fight deal, um, a four-fight big deal, you know, in the big league. So I can't say which organization it is just yet can't give out the details. We're, we're, we're in the works right now for the opponent today, but it's always, you know, an MMA's dream or a fighter's dream to actually sign the big show. So uh, I did that, and, and now I'm aiming to, to make a statement and, and go back and, and get what I deserve of, you know, what I've fought all these years for.
0: All right. So, talk a little bit about the eighteen month layoff and what you did to keep yourself in shape. Was it a layoff from everything? Did you not train? Did you not uh, spar with other fighters? Explain. What did you, you know, binge watch Netflix? What did you do during that eighteen month layoff?
1: <laughs> um, during the eighteen months, I just I changed gyms, um, and during that time, I just transitioned myself into like. Becoming a better fighter, like a new me, um, building building everything I needed to back from the basics. I felt like I needed to find who I was as a fighter, and then you know just focus on what I needed to there. So I actually took the time to be in the gym and and train, um, learn new stand up, learn new jujitsu, and learn judo and wrestling and all this stuff. So the eighteen month layoff was just a layoff from fighting, uh, but it was more to focus on who I want to become and. and as a better fighter and as a person out there in the world to represent myself as that fighter, you know? So I, I took the time to actually make myself better at, at what I wanted to and, and did everything good. You know, the 18-month layoff just, it helped me re establish who I am as a fighter. So that, that was, it was good in the same breath. So I didn't really take any time off from the gym, more so just took time off from fighting and try to get my mind right. And my management team put back together in the sense of where it needed to be. And then, my new training team, my my new gym, my new coaches, and my new teammates, all that stuff building myself again, you know?
0: All righty. Sounds good. And we're looking forward to uh, uh, keeping track of you and uh, your next fight. And we know you'll uh, keep us posted uh, with all that good stuff. So uh, let's switch gears a little bit, talk about some of the uh, mixed martial arts that we've seen as of late, what's coming down the pipe. And uh, the, the, the first uh, thing I want to talk about a couple of weeks back, we were supposed to do this last week, but uh, the show got detained, uh, talking a little bit about uh, the light heavyweight division. UFC uh, had uh, an interesting main event a couple of weeks back in England with uh, when Jim, Jimmy Manua uh, blew away Corey Anderson. uh and, Interesting light heavyweight mix up there as we have, uh, Cormier versus Anthony Rumble Johnson. Cormier defending his belt against rumble in uh, rematch. Uh, some people were speculating that maybe Manua, uh, had the winner of that fight, uh, doesn't seem like that's going to be the case it seems like john uh jones is going to get uh you know going to leapfrog over everybody as dana white and the ufc often like to do they're doing it with george st pierre too uh so first what was your impressions of, of manuel were you were, going in i thought it was going to be a competitive fight uh but uh manuel was the boss from the start and uh, ended it pretty quickly what were your impressions of that fight you
1: know i actually i um, I thought he was losing the fight at first, you know, and then um, Anderson just backing up on his feet, not protecting himself, just got caught with that lucky punch like that. At any moment, that was it can happen in an MMA game, you know, but I do feel Anderson was winning the fight up until that point, and it just takes one shot, and that's it, and then it's game, game over or lights out, so um, uh, he wasn't impressive to me like I, I thought he was, or all the hype set up behind him, but that's just my opinion on it. So um, that's how I looked at it, at, at least.
0: All right, interesting uh, point of view. And, and when he has stepped up, he, he has not done well. Uh, now, even though I don't think he's going to get the winner of Cormier uh, Johnson, uh, put on your training cap, if, if you will, our trainer cap. Uh, and uh, what could he do if, if you were handling him? How could he improve? It doesn't seem like he could uh, stand with rumble right? I don't think he's going to beat him in a strike contest uh he's no, weak not. on the ground weak on the ground right We've seen that already, and uh he's not gonna knock Cormier out with one punch. I don't think he, he Cormier takes him down uh, it's gonna be even worse so if you were a trainer of, of such a fighter how would you approach that if you did get the fight? I mean, you, you got to take it if you get it right. So how would you approach it? What, what can you do to improve on what you've done so far against top competition?
1: Um, I think what he needs to do at this point, if he knows he's got the next paddle shot, then I would focus on both my hands and wrestling, at least defensive wrestling so that if he does get a shot at, at, you know, Cormier that he, he can at least defend himself and not be taken down and, and at least grind out a fight with him and stuff like that. And hopefully connect on a good shot against Cormier and, and hurt him, and you know maybe put him away in that sense. Um, on the other hand, you know you got someone like Rumble Johnson who's got power. He's knocked out dudes left and right, surprisingly, and, and came through when he needed to and, and done stuff. But um, so then that would be the other thing is I'd go get a real good boxing coach and just start working my boxing and, 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 and movement and stuff like that.
0: All right. Now uh, we're not gonna do an official. Uh, prediction of, of Cormier Johnson just yet we'll do that a little bit closer to the uh, fight time so I don't I don't want you to go there but the, what are your impressions of John Jones potentially leapfrogging everybody because there's there some other really top ranked uh, you know light heavies you, you got Teixeira uh, fighting Gustafson most likely uh, I, I think that fight is all, all pretty much done uh, but it looks like uh, John's Bones Jones is going to uh, leapfrog and get the winner uh, of Cormier Johnson. Uh, what's your opinion on that? You know, it, I've seen it time and time again with that, that organization
1: and, and stuff done in a political aspect of, of things. You know, they have someone like John Jones who keeps getting his hands slapped. And nothing nothing really seriously happened to him or anything done. You know, it's one one screw up after the next and then he just comes right back into a title shot. In my own personal opinion, I'm not a fan of John Jones no more. He's made himself, his image look bad and the sport look bad in the sense of what he's done as a as a human being outside of that. You know, I, I, I give people the benefit of the doubt, but when it's happened over and over and over again, it just goes to show who the person John Jones really is inside and outside of the cage. So I do think it's a slap in a lot of people's faces that actually deserve that shot. Um, more than him because because he's been away suspended for so many times and you know they they just happen to just give it to him so I, I think it's a bs type call and that's that's the way I look at it you know the political aspect of any sport though it, it's going to happen and that's the way it is so
0: Yeah, I couldn't uh, agree more. I I think it sends the wrong message out to youngsters that uh, John Jones just keeps getting away with what he's getting away with. Uh, You know, I I think it enables him, as you said, slaps on the wrist, uh, you know, what's his you know what's his consequence he gets an immediate title shot i i, I could almost understand it with gsp because you know he, he's such a big draw was one of if you look at the pay-per-views that he's been on there's always been a million or close to a million so, so while i don't think it's fair in the in that aspect either i could understand it guys coming back model of the sport uh the john john jones uh you know the exact opposite and keeps getting uh, rewarded. So we'll definitely see. But at the same time, Nick, if it happens, are you, are you, are you going to boycott? We're all going to be there watching. I, I would think I'm going to watch. I'm, you know, call me a hypocrite then. But, I, I, you know, I want to see it mainly because I want to see uh, Cormier and, and or Rumble, whoever it is, beat them. But I'm going to watch nonetheless.
1: You know, honestly, I, I hope I hope that if it does happen and, John Jones gets his title shot. I hope the numbers show the fact that it's nothing that that anyone wants to see. You know, me being a fighter and dealing with the political aspect of things throughout this, this this weighs a lot on fighters who grind out every day and work every day to, to get to that level for one chance or one opportunity or one shot to do something amazing in that sport and they're just stepped on or stepped over because of people like John Jones who don't do anything, you know, the GSP, okay, I, I do understand that aspect that he stepped away from the sport. He was the champion. He's the one that stepped away. He didn't get himself in trouble to do anything, and now he wants to come back. I do like that matchup way, way better than the Yolo Romero, who I don't think deserves anything, number one, being popped for um, steroid use, you know. So I, I just I, I don't think he's an exciting fighter in and I don't think he deserves a title shot like ever, or like Dana White or whoever thinks that he does. But again, that's my own personal opinion. So for me, I'm not a fan of John Jones because of watching him screw up so many times and just not giving a crap about what it what it portrays to the public and to the eyes of of children or kids or or just the the, the fans of the sport. Like it's just happening. So I probably won't tune into that fight itself just to prove a point and the simple fact that, like. I don't care if he wins or loses. If he wins, cool. If he loses, even better for me, you know?
0: Yeah. Good point. And, uh, you know, not only that, uh, he needs help and he needs help. He's being enabled. So, uh, I mean, anybody could change but I don't think he's, I don't think him getting in trouble is going to change unless he goes through some serious consequences and this is not it. So, uh, excellent points there, but, uh, well right, let's switch gears a little bit. We'll definitely talk more about Cormier and uh, Rumble 2 when we get closer to that date. But uh, this, I, I believe it's this Friday, the 31st, uh, we have a Bellator 175, an organization that you have fought for as a, a rematch yep. in its own right. <laughs> Quentin Rampage Jackson against King Mo, uh, second time around. Uh, Versus for for these two, the first time was I think their first venture into pay per view. It was a pay per view. Uh, I'm not sure if it was the first, but the, they do have a, They just announced Bellator have they having a pay per view uh, coming June at Madison Square Garden. So they're going to try that again. But this one will be on Spike, so that's good. Uh, Rampage versus King Mo. Two, uh, yeah. Any pop for you there? Any bite in that fight for you, uh, Nick Rosborough? Are you going to be setting aside your Friday evening for that.
1: Um, I will. I will set some time aside to watch that. It's an intriguing fight, and it's an intriguing matchup just because of the animosity between both of them, you know. And and I think anybody can can argue either way on on that last fight. Um, maybe it was handed to, to Rampage in that sense, just to to make it this type of fight again. You know, I, I do believe sometimes that they're gone that way, that the they're portrayed or swayed a certain aspect of uh, of abilities to just say, okay, here it is, to, just to set up the the next fight to have more numbers done, you know, to have more stuff done like the Conor McGregor and Nate Diaz too, and he beat him on a, on scorecards. You know, I think, I think things are set up this way to actually build the numbers and stuff like that. I do. However, like both those guys, I met him personally and, and spoke with them personally and hung out with them personally. And so um, they're both great fighters. They're both great athletes and stuff like that, you know, so it's an interesting matchup. Um, I hope it's not a boring fight like the last one was, just some, you know, grounding and pounding and just getting up and wrestling. I would love to see one of them go out there and actually try to finish the fight. Um, Rampage's wrestling has come a long way, obviously, so um, hopefully one of them knocks out the other one because I think it would be a fan fight favorite for that aspect of just because of the animosity between them two, you know?
0: Yeah, certainly, and uh, about the animosity, I mean, in this case, do you have any uh real uh sense or reason as, as to why it uh manifested uh, i mean last time around uh, i remember because of the you know ultimate fighters show rampage and rashad evans had a lot of that animosity and it seemed genuine and it certainly worked that was one of the uh, million plus pay-per-views uh, for the ufc but uh like the way you described the first fight here, not that much uh, animosity uh, in, the, in the octagon. Very boring fight, I thought. Uh, so, I mean, can you speak on that? Have you ever been in a situation where you really had animosity uh, against your opponent? And once you actually got in there, uh, the fight itself didn't deliver the goods that was being written on the wall?
2: You know,
1: for for me personally, I do have that. I'll get to that in just a second. The animosity that stemmed from the Rampage and King Mo fight, I think, was after their first fight. You know, King Mo was really upset. Um, He was a superstar in Bellator before Rampage had come around, and I think, you know, he expressed it very clearly that he was just stepped on and stepped over with that decision win or decision loss over Rampage, and they just pretty much handed Rampage everything, you know? and I think he just felt betrayed and disrespected in that sense. And that's where that animosity stemmed because he was pretty verbal and loud with it and Rampage coming back, you know, I fair and square beat you knowing the fact that I really don't think Rampage won that first fight, but I think that's where that animosity stems and they just build off of it. Um, to to say that it's true or, or not, I, I don't know. I mean, it's a marketing scheme, and it, they're both good at marketing. Man, they're they're both characters. They both have an image to uphold, and they both know how to do it. So, I do believe that that it it somewhat takes place. Um, for myself, I have had a fight to where there was so much animosity. I didn't care if I got in there and really injured the guy that bad, um, and it didn't it it delivered. It, it definitely delivered. It was the only fight out of fifty fights that I've ever been knocked out in, and it was my last fight at one hundred eighty five pounds. So. Um, I I lost the fight, but it, the animosity to me was something that I should have never let build that much, or just the the anger and hatred that I had for the my opponent because I lost focus of the fight, I lost focus of my game plan, I lost focus of everything else. All I was worried about was going out and hurting him to any extent possible, and I just lost focus of everything, and it it definitely had fireworks in it. I hurt him, and within within seconds it just went right back, and he hurt me, and I ended up finishing the fight. So.
0: All righty, good stuff there. So uh, now I will ask you for uh, for this fight an, an official prediction, if you dare. Uh, Rampage, King Mo, two. Who do you like in this one?
1: You know, if Rampage is going to go out, I would like him to go out on the top. That's just my own personal opinion. Um, I just, uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm a fan of both. I really am. Now, I would say, for my prediction, I would like Rampage to win. So, and I would maybe, I would hope for maybe a second second round knockout.
0: All righty. Good stuff there. And as we come to the close in about 10 minutes or so, uh, we're going to play the Desmond Green pre-recorded interview. Uh, But uh, we're going to stay with Nick a little bit longer. One of the things I wanted to bring to the show, Nick, uh, is you, you know, know, throwing advice out there for, uh, especially the youngsters who are looking to become mixed martial arts, martial artists. When you got into MMA, I don't think the sport was as large on in a grand scale. Now it's like you have all these household names. you have these, uh, you know, UFC uh, gatherings, expos. I think they call them where, and you have gyms popping up uh, just for this measure to train youngsters. In MMA, So I wanted to get a little bit, uh, throw out topics where you could give a, advice. And uh, the first piece of advice I want, if you can, for youngsters and, and, and even for fighters today, because it seems to be a glaring problem, is cutting weights. I mean, we had a very prominent UFC uh, fight canceled recently because there was danger with a, a, a fighter cutting weight. Uh, talk a little bit about, uh, especially when you were 185 pounders, the turmoils of cutting weight, how you went about it and what's your best advice on how to approach, uh, cutting weight.
1: You know, the, the cutting weight is a huge, huge issue right now. And I think the athletic commission needs to step in and step up and maybe add a couple more weight classes to the divisions, um, like boxing has to make it a little bit simpler and easier for people not to put themselves at health risk. You know, um, the 185 pounds, what fight class for me was just way too small. Like I said, my last fight, I got knocked out. Um, not taking anything away from my opponent at the time, but I do believe that plays a huge factor in 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 being knocked out or having a glass jaw a little bit, lo- you know, simpler or having that specific spot just get touched a little bit lighter and then be put in the way. You know, you drain your body of all your electrolytes, of all your fluids, and you, you you're not fully recovered within the time of the fight. Um, once I moved up to 205, my weight cut was a little bit easier. I became more professional with it, um, and got a nutritionist and weight cuts became simple and fast and easy. I wasn't suffering. I wasn't, I wasn't going above and beyond to try to hurt myself, you know? So that was awesome. When I finally decided to make the move to heavyweight, um, which is a natural, I think, weight class for me is when I knew that that that's where my potential would be and, my fullest potential would be because I didn't have to cut weight. I didn't have to worry about depleting all of my energy and I can be at a hundred percent, um, with all that stuff. And that was the right move for me. So my, my suggestion to people coming into the sport or the young athletes is actually find a weight class that you can stay close to or near a hundred percent at with your energy and, and levels and liquids and all that stuff. Like I said, I think they have, or they should add a few more weight classes to have that possible because extreme weight cutting isn't doing nothing for us. We have fights getting cut or canceled that people are looking forward to, you know, medical issues, people dying, which is really stupid. You know, why would you want to chance your your own life for a $6,000 paycheck? It's not worth it at all. Like I, I've seen some crazy things. People's kidneys shut down and end up ruining their lives, you know, or being in medical, you know, and have medical conditions forever. So it's not, it's not fun.
0: Yeah. Certainly. Yes. Yes. Can you hear me? yep okay, good so uh talk a little bit about those and you know, until that happens we we have this situation right so um what would you say uh the week of the fight would be like the cutting point for weight you have to cut where where, where does it start getting in the danger zone that week before the fight? how many pounds um you know i
1: I've cut 15 pounds in, like, a two-day period, which is, I think, very reasonable for someone to do if their body's the right way, if they have the right team behind them, and that would take at least, you know, two days to do it and do it done the right way. I would say the week of the fight, I wouldn't be no more than 20 pounds off your weight that you're supposed to be. That's that's give or take. It gives you a few days because people don't understand at the, at the larger levels, you're getting out there and you're... You're doing interviews one day. You're doing press conferences the next day. You're doing um, photo shoots one day. So you really don't have a lot of the time that people think they do have to cut the weight. and They, they don't it behind those scenes like that. So in all that shality, you know, when the day comes, when you have the day before the weigh-ins, and now like the UFC is having weigh-ins at 10 a.m., you know, which is good, gives you a lot more time to actually recover. But with everything that goes on that whole week of, it's harder to do that stuff. It's harder. So I would say at least no more than 20 pounds away from an
0: actual weight that you want to fight from. So. Okay, good stuff there. And uh, what uh, about the weigh-in? Uh, I mean, in boxing for for years, it was weigh-in day of the fight. I don't think it was that way for the MMA. I mean, in, in the beginning of the UFC, I don't even think there was weigh-ins. <laughs> the weight classes were all over the place. No. But uh, are, you, uh, are you are you in favor of a move? I don't think it'll happen. And, and I think a lot of what dictates the way in before the fight, the day of the fight, the day before the fight, I should say, excuse me, is the TV stuff, especially with uh, MMA. It's that, always a big thing. If you have fight paths, you, you, you're always getting, uh, you know, notifications way in way. in now it's a lot of it is TV driven. I I know guys in boxing insiders in boxing that have told me that it was changed more about uh, TV demands than uh, the fighters health. Would you, even though it's probably never happened, would you favor weigh-in's day of the fight? You know, I would,
1: if, if it was taken in a serious aspect of the fact that they added more weight classes because there's no way that someone could do like those Jose Aldo type weight cut the day of the fight and be okay to fight that. Same day. that that's not possible at all. Like I I think boxers are cutting 10 pounds at the most the day of weigh-ins, you know, or the day of the fight. I think that I think that's what they used to do. Is there weren't there weren't huge weight cuts like that? Um, maybe five pounds. I would just say 10 pounds at the most. So I would be in favor of the day of, but again, I, it has to be based off the health factors for the fighters, and, and the athletic commission needs to step up and do that. The thing I do like about the day before the weigh-ins is that you can actually go out and you do that, promote it a little bit more, and you also have a whole day, that whole 24 hours to try to recover for that fight, rather than just worrying about cutting the weight, then cutting, then then getting yourself to that next level to get ready to fight. Mentally, it's, it's a hard, hard challenge, you know, so mentally I think it would help with fighters to cut weight the day before then they have that taken care of and then it's done then they can just focus for the next 24 hours and and focus on what's at hand for them is a fight whether it's a title fight or just a regular fight you know that that focus game that mental game is is a huge huge ordeal for that so me I I mean I'm really highly in favor of the day before weigh ins but um, I wouldn't say that the day of weigh-ins is out of the question if it's done properly
0: All right. Good stuff there. And, uh, as we close our segment, Nick, uh, I don't plan on spending too much time on this in future shows, but I have to bring it up now. Uh, just because as an MMA fighter, I want to get your perspective on it. This this, this whole fiasco. I'm already foreshadowing what I think about it of Floyd Mayweather Jr. (laughs) versus Conor McGregor. Uh, yeah, I, w- I want to get the perspective uh, from you as an MMA fighter. I mean, for whatever else it is, Conor McGregor's a great showman and a great salesman. If he's able to pull this off, he's no doubt going, even though he's one of the highest, most popular guys in the MMA today, uh, certainly has made a lot of money through endorsements or, or what have you. But uh, I think it's safe to say if he gets to pull this off, he's going to get his uh, greatest single payday ever for one night work. So for that, yeah, I mean, Correct. you know, in the country of in the United States, in the country of capitalism, I salute. But uh, other than that, is not really much I like about this fight. I think it's a scam. Uh, but there are people who are talking and taking it seriously. And I know one person that's definitely taken it seriously is Conor McGregor. Uh, one thing about Floyd Mayweather is he's always taken his fight seriously. He never takes a day off of the gym. You know, even when, uh, you know, he earned the status where he never has to buy clothes off the rack e- ever in his life, he he still goes out and, as he said, trains like he is poor. So both of these guys are going to take it seriously. But should it be a, a serious boxing match? Because that's what I think it's going to happen if it comes to me. It's going to be a straight-up straight boxing match. What are your thoughts?
1: You know, I actually I like it in the sense of Anything can happen in a fight. One thing I do have experience with is actually taking a boxing match and, you know, getting my ass handed to me in a a boxing match. It's two different worlds, and people don't understand that. Like, um, boxing is a lot different than than MMA, and MMA is a lot different than boxing. So at any given moment, though, Conor, I do believe, can shock the world. Um, My own personal opinion about it is, is Mayweather was just sick and tired of of not being in the limelight, and Conor McGregor had taken it over, and they happen to be the right size. And so I think, I think Mayweather started to call him out and try to promote himself and get it going because he's no longer in the limelight like McGregor has, and I think he wants that from him. So I do, I mean, I like to ask, but I would watch it just to see because I'm not a Mayweather fan in no sense as a personal person. Um, because he's just, and to me, he's just pretty, pretty arrogant, and I don't like the way he represents himself and stuff like that. Although I would love to have his money and his team behind him, but he's definitely worked hard to where he's gotten. I just don't believe right. calling him out is the the right proper thing to do because I do believe Connor, I, I have a weird feeling, man, that Connor is going to shock the world. I just have a feeling.
0: Oh, interesting. So uh, we might have to spend some more time on that uh, uh, fight if it does come to be. Uh, just, just to uh, address that feeling of yours, Nick. Uh, uh, what about Conor in terms of a boxer? Obviously, he has one punch power uh, as a UFC fighter, MMA fighter. Uh, all the you know, everywhere you look, there's you know, videos of him in the boxing gym I was working on his uh, technique. Uh, what about him as a pure boxer? I mean, I know he's been uh, a guy who's trained in boxing pretty much uh, probably longer than uh, as a mixed martial artist. So uh, does this guy have serious boxing skills? I mean, he's going in there uh, against uh, the best of the best. Maybe not anymore. It's meant to be seen. But if he were to switch gears and concentrate on boxing uh, solely, do you think he would uh, have a nice career at it? You know, I I don't believe he's a boxer in no sense.
1: I mean, look at look at Nate Diaz, wreck him standing. You know, with boxing and stuff like that. Um, the difference between the boxing and the, and the MMA is, you know, boxing gloves are eight ounce gloves, a little bit heavier, a lot harder to knock some dude out with the the, the right punches and stuff like that. You know, you you usually can hit the specific spot with four ounce gloves and it's done. It's, you're out. You know, so professionally wise on on that type of level, there's no way that he can. He has better boxing than Mayweather. That's for certain, obviously. Um, so I just i have a weird feeling, though, just with what he has at hand, he can he can definitely take it away from, from Mayweather. Mayweather's not an aggressive type boxer. He's more defensive boxer. So we'll see how this plays out, you know?
0: Uh, well, uh, unfortunately, you sound excited for it. I, I might be one of the last who still does not want to see it happen. But, Nick? <laughs> At least we have something fun to talk about, I guess. I, I, you know, I, I have reservations of, uh, for many reasons, and I won't reveal them unless it's actually, uh, you know, official. So uh, some people say it's official, but I hear things all the time about fights that are official and they're not official. So uh, I haven't seen—I uh, haven't seen from the right sources that this is going down in June, as has been reported in some circles. But uh, right. Nick Rosborough, time goes by so quickly when you're having fun. Uh, you're always welcome to, to stay on for the whole show. That's always open to you, but I, I know you're a busy man. Uh, next up segment is a pre recorded interview, so you won't be able to participate in that. But if you do have to go, now's the time for some. Uh closing remarks for you. Uh, anything you want to plug out there, let the fans know about. And uh, until next time, enjoy the fights this weekend. Uh, if you are staying, just uh, call back in a little later after the live, after the pre-recorded, which is about 17 minutes.
1: Sounds good. I, I Like I said, I appreciate the time and the, the, the offer to be on here with you guys and, and continue to move forward. Stay tuned for some big news coming from me. Like I said, the, the, the deal I just signed, some other big news I got coming out. So, I appreciate you uh, being able to let me get on here and, and do my thing and show out. So,
0: any any uh, social media you, you have that you want the people to know about? your social media maven? Uh, do you, you know? No, I, do you tweet in the middle of the night like our uh, current president? Yeah, yeah. Uh, obviously, my first and last name, Nick
1: Rossbow twitter.com facebook is nick ross my instagram is nick ross uh, um, my snapchat is slc's bad boy you know so i do i do try to promote a lot on social media and, and get those people going so i appreciate your guys as follows and and all that other stuff
0: all right thank you so much and uh we'll talk again soon and until then uh be well my friend have a good rest of your evening thanks thank you all right all right thanks good Bye. stuff there a lot of a lot of good insight uh different perspective on uh the conor mcgregor mayweather stuff although i've heard that kind of uh perspective uh before uh but uh good tips on the cutting the weight and uh some interesting uh, uh takes on the uh, fights that have happened and fights that are coming down the pipe uh from nick so we appreciate that uh we're not going to take a break we're going to go right to uh the desmond green pre-recorded desmond is uh Uh, fighting Josh Emmett on uh, April 8th in Buffalo on the card of the the big rematch, Daniel Cormier versus Anthony Rumble Johnson. So we will play this uh, pre-recorded throughout. And uh, when we come back, we should have Eric from New Jersey uh, joining us for the Felicia Spencer interview. So uh, we have that. But right now, let's get started with Desmond Green. All righty. My next guest is making his UFC debut on april the 8th He is going to be facing josh emmett he is an ncaa division one wrestler he has had uh, success in mixed martial arts in bellator and in titan fighting championship he has a professional record of 19 and 5 and he's kind enough and he's kind enough to join us and give us some of his time during this busy time of his desmond green welcome to the show desmond
3: hey how's it going how's it going Good to be it's honest, going though.
0: great. Thank you. And uh, thank you for your time. And uh, let, let's first start with the news of you getting your first UFC fight uh, on April the 8th. A major pay-per-view, the undercard of uh, Cormier uh, Johnson uh, 2. It's going to be a big event in Buffalo. You went to school in Buffalo. Yeah. So uh, explain all of this. How did this all come to be?
3: Um, well, really, my manager, uh, Glenn Robinson, you know, all the credit goes to him. Um, you know, he uh, he had a meeting with Dana, and, uh, you know, I was on a four-fight win streak. I haven't lost since I moved up to 55. And, you know, like you said, you know, I already kind of had, like, a accomplished career. And, uh, you know, my manager told him I was supposed to fight. Um, they wanted me to fight the title. I know we we were going to – we had to set up the fight Freddie Asante for the lightweight title you know, I had the featherweight title and I moved up um in March. But you know, so I have my major, you know, tell my hey listen, after Desi wins, you should sign him. Or, you know, if you want a hometown guy, you know, he went he went to Buffalo, um, he's the Anthony's teammate, you know what I mean? Uh, his hometown is an hour from there. Uh, you know, he he could fight on that card and uh, you know, Dana went for that one and uh, you know, it, it, that was what it was. All righty now now take us a
0: little bit back to your wrestling days uh, division one wrestler. Uh, it has been reported. You, uh, had issues with the team for testing with marijuana. So uh, uh, explain your side of that story and and explain what you learned as uh, a part of that wrestling team and how that transferred to you wanting to become a mixed martial
3: artist. Uh, yeah, well, um, that's how it's kind of playing. Basically, um, you know, I kept testing positive for weed, uh, you know, and in my senior year, I just ended up uh, quitting because, you know, my junior year, I was ranked number eight in the nation. You know, I, I, I was never ineligible. I did what I had to do. And uh, to me, weed isn't really a performance-enhancing drug. Plus, I don't really get paid for, you know, wrestling in college. It wasn't something I took seriously. I had a scholarship for it. So, uh, you know, that happened. And I know I, I always knew I wanted to fight. So, my senior year, I ended up quitting the team and just started fighting. Um that's when I started my amateur career, you know, in 2012 and at the end of 2012. And, uh, you know, from there, you know, it just basically really, it, once I started fighting, everything took care of itself.
0: Now, I, I agree with you. Clearly, weed is not a performance enhancer. So so why do you think it, it, it's on the books as, as something detrimental to a fighter? I mean, fighters have had victories taken away for testing positive for weed. Why do you think that
3: is? Uh, I got no clue. <laughs> no clue at all.
0: I, I I can't think of a good reason either. Uh, so uh, there you go. So talk a little bit about the transition uh, of becoming a, a mixed martial artist with your wrestling pedigree. It's often stated that the wrestling pedigree is the best to have when uh, you know becoming a mixed martial artist. Talk about some of the other difficulties that you might have had. What other disciplines came easy for you? What have you studied?
3: And where do you feel you are now in terms of a well-rounded mixed martial artist? Yeah. Um, I'm so happy I have wrestling. You know, to me, I think wrestling is the most important background um, when it comes to mixed martial arts, just because a lot of times, nine times out of 10, a fight is going to be there. And whoever's more dominant and, well rounded, that's another key. You know, you can't just be a good wrestler but you gotta know, you know, the other martial arts too, like striking, jujitsu and whatnot. But uh, you know, I feel like if you got a real strong base in wrestling, you're kinda of one step ahead of the game and uh, you know, that's how I came into it. Um, you know, I picked up striking really quick just because, you know, I'm I'm real athletic and uh, you know, probably the hardest thing to pick up for me was uh jujitsu. Just because it's all about giving up position sometimes, and I was always about dominating position. Um, it teaches you to be on your back as opposed to. I did real good with Jiu Jitsu guys. And I would always be even when I first started. You know what I mean? I was being black belt Jiu Jitsu guys, but to learn it and actually uh, utilize the offense part of it, I think that may be the hardest part. But uh, you know, I got I was a problem, purple belt and now under Ferrazza Hobby. Uh, you know, coach at TriStar. But, um, you know, everything else came along real natural for me. You know what I mean? Uh, I really felt like I was built to be a fighter.
0: Yeah, I mean, they say that the worst place for a wrestler is on their back. Uh, explain what you have done in your training since you've been a professional to be more comfortable on your back. I know you still never want to be there, but what have you done? To <laughs> yeah, if, I would say I if never... If the position I, I, happens I, I, that you're more comfortable...
3: Yeah, as I said, just for another, I got, like, 24 fights. And I think I was on my back all the maybe a minute. Out of all 24, I barely on my back. Number one motto is just to get up and get out. But, uh, you know, to, to get comfortable there, every time we go to practice, every time we do any rolling, I always start on my back. You know what I mean? I don't like it, but it's just a position you got to know. But, uh, you know, I'm rarely ever in that position. So, uh, you know, but every practice, you know, I, I always – let let somebody come into my guard, just so i definitely know what to do you never know in a fight some something may happen and i like get stuck there so i don't want that to be the first time you know so i do that every day
0: uh your first big break came when you were able to fight on bellator a high profile organization bellator mma talk a little bit about uh that how do you got how did bellator uh contact you how did you get to uh fight for that organization
3: um really uh, I went like uh my first year fighting, like I so I had three amateur fights in a matter of like four weeks or whatever. And then uh I jumped to pro and uh, I fought ten times my first year in pro. I went nine and one. You know, I was just uh going to different organizations, you know, sometimes I was fighting three times in a month. So uh, you know, I think they seen that and they really was uh, intrigued by it. So they called uh but the first camp I went to uh was in Ithaca, a team called Bomb Squad. So, you know, I got in touch with my coach, Ryan Seatoli. And, uh, you know, that's kind of how I got in the Bellator.
0: All righty. Now, let's move to Titan uh, Fighting Championships. And that's where you actually won some hardware. You won the featherweight championship over Steven Seiler. Uh, talk a little bit about that fight. Uh, big victory for you. Really uh, started you uh, as getting really recognized as those fights were televised as well. Talk a little bit about that moment for you.
3: Uh, yeah, that was you know it was a good fight, big moment. Um, I went the featherweight belt. Uh, you know that was a uh, hard fight, five rounder. And uh, my first fight with Titan, um, you know I had a first round knockout over Miguel Torres, who was like uh, you know considered used to be a pound for pound. So uh, you know that was that was fun. And uh, in your next fight, you you lost the title
0: on a controversial decision to, to Kurt Hollibaugh. Uh, it was a fight that was well-publicized where you struggled to cut weight. So talk a little bit about uh, that fight, how much the, the weight cut uh, caused you uh, in the fight, where it was a fight that uh, I felt could have went either way. Uh, you had a big fifth round, I thought, that could have squeaked it out for you, but... Uh, certainly uh a case could be made on his side as well you were disappointed with the decision obviously but talk a little bit about how the the weight drain uh affected you in that fight
3: yeah um definitely you know i had to cut cut on my hair for that and uh in fact you know the next uh the next fight also had to do the same thing and that's kind of what made me realize i need to go 155 uh you know it was crazy i was like literally almost killed myself trying to make weight for both of those fights and uh that's when i just knew i'm like all right after the hotball fight i wanted to go back i was like yeah i got to go to 55 too much but you know i had that bad taste in my mouth because i really felt that one so i wanted that belt back before i went up to 55 but um I just kept getting bigger and bigger, you know, I'm 27 now, so, you know, I was right at that age where, like, everything was changing, my body was changing, I was getting bigger, my metabolism was, you know, just the way I was, like, I was putting on, like, grown man muscle, because, like, when I first went 45, I, you know, the weight cuts didn't used to be that higher, but then, uh, you know, the more I fought, they got higher, and harder. and and, uh, you know, moving up to 55 was the best decision of my life, you know, um, Back under haven't lost yet, you know had an undefeated 2016 year and uh, I'm just still getting bigger. I'm still growing into this weight class, so you know I definitely this is where I need to be.
0: Oh, wait at at this new weight, uh, like week before the fight or, or such, how much weight do you have to cut now?
3: Oh like uh I don't eat, not a lot. Like let's say right now we two weeks out, I'm less than 10 pounds over for sure, and I'm eating whatever. I'm eating six times a day, you know what I mean. So mm-hmm. it, it, the weight cut was, like, not even relevant. I could make it tomorrow if I had to. all right, Good. Sounds good. Now uh, let's
0: talk a little bit about your opponent, undefeated, Josh Emmett. Uh, what can you tell us about him?
3: Um, yeah, he's pretty good. Like you said, he's undefeated. Um, he's yeah, 2-0 in the UFC. But, uh, you know, he has a good overhand right. And uh, to me, that's about it. You know, he has decent wrestling um i want to emphasize on decent and uh other than that you know i, I feel like i'm way better i have a height advantage i have the wrestling right. advantage speed advantage um all right we have uh desmond back on
0: desmond uh your call dropped you were in the middle of talking about uh the you were breaking down a little bit of the fight with josh emmett so uh, if you could pick up oh, yeah. From there. Oh,
3: yeah. yeah i was basically saying um you know i like the fight for me i plan on going out there uh you know, getting the finish and, uh, you know, taking on this hype, you know, I'm, I'm glad that he gave me somebody, you know, definitely that's uh, you know, good on two fight, win streak. So, but uh, I feel like it's a bad matchup for him. And you know, right now I'm the best that I've ever been. So gonna be good.
0: Yeah. Looking forward to it. That will be on the, the fight pass prelims. Uh, So uh, everybody can check that out there. And uh, last thing I have for you, growing up, obviously, mixed martial arts started as this, uh, the UFC especially, started out as this small kind of cult following type of thing. And now it's one of the biggest sports in all the world. Uh, As you follow the sport over the years, who are some of the fighters that you have looked up to and admired and tried
3: to emulate if you have? Um, really, uh, I to love George St. Pierre, uh, Anderson Silva, you know, uh, um, those two I probably like, you know, the main guys, Jose those too.
0: And what do you think of George uh, St. Pierre's uh, comeback? Do you think it's a good idea? Uh, obviously, it's great for us. What do, you, what do you think for him after yeah. all this time? Why, why is he coming back? What do you
3: think? Uh, yeah, I think uh, it's a great idea. You know, why not? Um, no time like the present. Um, you know, Destiny Fletcher is older than him, and he was one of the most dominant uh, champions. So, you know, why not make a comeback? See what you got.
0: And a uh, well, couple more questions in, in keeping with uh, this theme is, if you had your your choice at one dream matchup, whether it's somebody from the past or somebody who's currently active, your one shot, the one guy you would want to test
3: your skills against the most, who would that be? Uh. The champion at 55 right now because that's my weight class and that's the belt I want. The good driver is to be McGregor, but if there was somebody else, it would be whoever has the belt in my weight class.
0: All right. Sounds good. So you're you, you focused on capturing that title. That adds, that's something that, uh, you know, we like to hear because uh, it, it's, it's in keeping with reality. But uh, sometimes people yeah. throw out some good fantasy matches, which is also intriguing as well. <laughs> so uh, and, and you, you've had a lengthy career so far. You're only 27. Uh,
1: if there was one fight that
0: you could go back and change something up till now, what would that be?
3: Um, none of them. I think everyone was a uh, learning experience and it got me to exactly where I need to be today, so you know, I, I leave them all the same. And up till now, what
0: do you think your best performance was where you put it all together?
3: Uh I'll probably say when uh, last March, uh when I went out to um Russia when I was in the Akhmat tournament you know I had a real real uh crazy first round fight uh you know first round finish and everything was just on um, point i felt sharp that was my first time back at one fifty five and uh yeah, it was great
0: all righty, thank you Desmond Green fighting on April eighth against Josh Emmett undercard of a major pay-per-view. I think we're going to get close to a million buys, probably over a million buys for this one. Uh, Your fight will appear on the Fight Pass prelims. Huge night in Buffalo. Thank you for sharing uh, some of your time with us. Now's the time for some of your closing remarks, any social media, anything you want to plug, or anything you want to say. Now's the time.
3: Uh, Yeah, just uh, appreciate my manager, Grant Robinson. Shout-out to my team. Coaches, Henry Hoof, Combat Club, you know, CSMMA, Black Zillion. And, uh, you know, big shout-out to my mom. Uh, you can catch me on Instagram and Twitter at Predator Toon. And uh, Facebook, Desmond the Predator Green, Snapchat, Random Toon.
0: All right. And, and since you mentioned that, uh, and that, this was one of the questions I wanted to ask you. you know, uh, the, the Predator, where did that nickname come from? An uh, interesting one, obviously uh
3: well-known name. How did you get your nickname the predator? Uh really just uh when I fight I used to braid my hair back and uh no. to kind of mimic the just mimic the predator and I got like this savage nature about yeah. me so you know my friends like right. yeah he definitely be the predator.
0: Well at this point I would take you over Arnold uh, if it came to that. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah yeah for sure.
0: <laughs> uh Desmond Green thank you for your time and uh we will look forward to watching the fights. Good 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 stuff here. Thank you. All right. Thank you. All righty. So uh, you know, first UFC fight, uh, big spot for him in his sort of hometown of Buffalo, went to college there, wrestled there. And you heard his take on uh, you know weed not being a performance enhancer. Obviously, that could be debated for all time. But I think it's clear that if you smoke weed, it's not at all. You know, enhancing your performance as a fighter, but, uh, you know, that's for another uh, time. I I think it's a good matchup, him and uh, Josh Emmett. Emmett's a guy that, uh, you know, his opponents take him down about 60% of the time. So if Green can take this to the floor, he could certainly be the boss, but uh, Emmett is very dangerous on the ground. Desmond Green is the kind of fighter as. far as i've observed so far as uh, a guy who does nothing great but he doesn't do anything bad he does everything good but nothing uh great solid on the ground good ground game so that could be a benefit for a fighter or, or it could not uh, uh a long fight i think favors him he certainly has had more than enough experience going long rounds he's gone five rounds so uh but uh you know Emmett has that equalizer that could end everything in a second. So it should be a great uh, prelim fight and and a great card overall. And we thank Desmond Green for coming on.
2: And now, insurance-minded speeches.
0: All righty, never mind the insurance. Uh, So a couple of things uh, before we continue. I made a couple of mistakes at the end there. I meant to say Emmett is dangerous on his feet, not on the ground. And uh, Desmond has a a solid – uh, stand-up game solid ground game but I wouldn't say necessarily outstanding either but uh couldn't get Desmond uh, to come on the live show with his busy schedule so uh I was able to uh, secure that pre-recorded and uh I just b- about all but ruined it at the end there by not making much sense but uh cleared that up you know that's the great thing about the live show and another great thing about this live show is uh our next uh co-anchor if you will uh a guy I've known uh, for many years, uh, one of the keenest and intense MMA fans that I know. Uh, this guy is usually on the money in uh, his analysis. Uh, he's a passionate uh, trainer as well. He trains in many different disciplines. Uh, my partner in, in crime, whenever we go to the Boxing Hall of Fame. And uh, George Chavallo will always be a different type of fighter because of this man, in my eyes. Mr. Eric from New Jersey. How's it going tonight, buddy?
4: Good. How you doing, dude?
0: I'm doing great. And uh we have a few minutes before uh Felicia Spencer comes on and you're gonna join us with that interview and uh I'm glad about that. Uh so but uh first uh welcome back. i, I you know well, we tried to do this once before. Uh I think it worked for maybe a week or two. Hopefully we could have a longer uh season than that this time. Uh but uh oh welcome and uh love talking about the fights with you
4: yeah i, I, I thank you for having me back and uh, I'm you to doing this again i'm actually looking forward to uh doing shows with you so uh I was just listening to uh that last interview the, the Desmond green that he's fighting josh Emmett on on his in his next in his u f c debut is that did i hear that right
0: correct
2: yes
4: i think yeah, that that's going to be a good fight. I'm telling you right now. <laughs> Josh yeah. Evans is wild. I don't know if you ever watched him. Oh man, he's wild. Uh, and yeah. they both, I think they both could wrestle. So I have that. that. I, I, I could see that being a uh, a slugfest on the feet.
0: Yeah, definitely. You know uh, I think Green, one? from what I've seen of Green, he looks more comfortable. On the ground, but he's certainly not a slouch standing up. So, yeah, that's going to be on the fight pass prelims. So, uh, keep that yeah. in mind. Yeah, so, cool. uh, we got another minute or two, we're going to call uh, uh, Felicia. Uh, just wanted to, uh, to talk just uh, briefly about uh, the uh, idea. Actually, no. Anything I think should probably go longer than a minute or two. So, what I'm going to do is I'm going to take a quick break. Uh uh put you on hold and uh try and get Felicia on the phone uh so that's what that's how we'll go uh, hopefully the the phone circuits are working uh, they have been working so we're going to take a quick break and hopefully be back with uh Felicia Spencer right after this Welcome back to Zoots, the Mixed Martial Arts Show, where we give it to you straight up with no twists. And my next guest is a female mixed martial artist with a professional record of 2-0. One win by TKO. The other win was a fabulous unanimous decision on March 25th on Invicta over Madison McElhaney. I probably just butchered that name, but uh, I'm not going to butcher this name. Felicia. Venom Spencer probably I don't know if it was officially called the fight of the night but I thought it was the best uh fight of the night and uh, we welcome you to the show how are you Felicia
5: I'm doing pretty good how are you doing
0: I'm doing excellent and uh thank you for uh for your time so before we talk about uh your last fight and uh, your uh, journey right now as a professional mixed martial artist. Take us back to the time where you uh, figured out that you wanted to be a fighter.
5: Uh, well, it was definitely a, a gradual process. I started doing martial arts when I was a kid with my brothers, and it was just for fun, you know, back then. And then, um, I if you would have asked me when I was a teenager doing. You know, Jiu-Jitsu, if I wanted to get punched in the face, I would have said, you're crazy. Um, but then eventually I made the transition into, um, you know, doing Muay Thai and then MMA when I came to Orlando back in 2009. And ever since then, it's just been uh, itching the fighter as much as I could.
0: <laughs> All righty, good stuff there. And uh, you talked a little bit about the Muay Thai stuff. Talk a little bit about... Yeah, cuz I think that's one of the grueler disciplines. It takes a lot of punishment. Was that a a harder discipline for you to learn?
5: Um well my my first martial art was taekwondo, so I was already uh, a heavy kicker. Um it was it was the, the thing that was different about it was was the getting punched in the face thing. <laughs> so it was definitely a fun challenge. Uh, but I was always up for learning you know learning new arts and new disciplines, and um that's probably one of the newer ones, along with you know wrestling you know uh more strict wrestling that I've added into my arsenal since uh you know one of the later martial arts that I added in so um but yeah, definitely one of the more grueling aspects of the game for sure
0: no. Uh... When did you decide that you wanted to become a professional fighter, uh, training with the, these different disciplines as you uh, discussed? Uh, uh, you have two pro fights under your belt right now. Uh, what, what was that definitive moment for you that you said, okay, I'm training here, I'm taking on all of these different disciplines, I'm learning, now I want to be a pro. I mean, uh, was there a definitive moment that uh, made you make that decision?
5: Yeah, I, I can't really point to one moment. Uh I'm always I've always been competitive and I did a lot of jiu- jiu-jitsu tournaments um when I was a you know, a few years ago. And um actually in Florida when I started doing M M A and when I started wanting to fight there were no amateur pretty much no amateur fights. And I was scheduled to have a my pro debut years ago and then it fell through and then pretty much the next the next opportunity I had to fight the laws changed and I had to become an amateur so I had to have those five fights and then it just became a really long drawn out process of trying to find amateurs to fight me you know knowing that I had a you know fairly extensive background compared to most amateurs so it kind of drew out the process so um, yeah I wanted to, to turn pro back in 2009 and then circumstances just fell through and then Everything changed. <laughs> so, so, long uh, road.
0: <laughs> definitely, definitely. So, he, he was certainly prepared. Uh, now, I think that the women's uh, MMA is worlds ahead of bo- women female boxing, and I have an article coming out on ringsidereport.com covering that. But still, the idea of you as a female in most mainstream circles wanting to be a mixed martial artist, a fighter, somebody, as you said, that gets punched in the face, that punches people in the face. How is that received by inside your circle?
5: Um, very well. Um, there, there really haven't, haven't been many people or instances where they're, you know, they're not supportive. Um, for the most part, um, I, I've, I've changed minds about MMA with, you know, about women's MMA, like women being involved in the sport. Um, but I haven't had a lot of pushback um that I would take, you know, seriously or, or anyone that's close to me that isn't um you know, isn't in favor of it. Of course, you know, like my mom is obviously worried when I'm in there, but she's my biggest fan too, so she's always um, you know, the people that care about me have my back even when they're concerned about, you know, my safety and everything. But that's normal. Just like if I was if I was anybody it'd be the same thing. So but yeah, for the most okay. part it's all been real positive.
0: Yeah, because I I think at this point in time, it's not really even that great uh, of a big deal when it comes to uh, MMA uh, because it's so prominent now. We see females getting uh, headline pay-per-view cards in the UFC, and Victor's an all-female organization, very popular on Fight Pass. I was watching that fight, and uh, there were fans tweeting that Invictus is the only reason why they keep their Fight Pass uh, subscription. So I I think in the fighting world, it's very accepted. But uh, I'm not sure that the guy at the counter at at a 7-Eleven or in the coffee shop uh, would look at it as much. So uh, I don't know if you experienced some uh, in those kind of circles. I mean, they probably wouldn't even know you were a fighter if you walked in and ordered a cup of coffee. So there's that as well. But I I think inside the fighting circle, it's much more accepted and welcomed uh, than it is in boxing.
5: Yeah, I would agree, and there's definitely uh, the looks that you get, especially when you're if you're walking around with a black eye or something. And if I'm, you know, in line at the grocery store with my with my fiancée, it might give him some funny looks. But
0: they're calling the cops yeah. on him. Never mind the <laughs>
5: funny looks. <laughs> yeah, normally, uh, you know, I'm open about it. You know, I don't hide the fact that I'm a fighter, and and for the most part, when you clear up any confusion that everyone's pretty excited to hear about it really i think it's kind of unusual and kind of awesome that you know i don't really portray myself as like a some tough guy like fighter type so when they hear that i am fighter it's kind of like i'm you know kind of outside the mold so it's kind of like oh cool you know that's that's different and cool so yeah it is what it is but yeah never had really any issues with uh with anybody giving pushback.
0: <laughs> well that that's good, that's good. And as I said, MMA is way ahead of boxing in that aspect.
5: Yeah.
0: Uh Eric from New Jersey now is going to uh ask you uh, some questions. Uh was very impressed with your performance on March the twenty fifth. Eric, take it away. Hi Felicia, how are
5: you doing? I'm doing great, Thank you Great uh first I want to say
4: congratulations on uh on your wins over the weekend. Uh, Thank you. When I was watching that fight, I was like, it, it, for whatever reason, that particular fight stood out for me. So when Zoot told me, he's like, oh, I have Felicia's friend. I was like, yeah, I knew immediately who he was talking about right away. Um, so the, the one thing I do want to mention, uh, or ask you, I guess, about that fight, uh, that M- Madison McElhinney looked you know, physically very strong. Uh, mm-hmm. Did she feel that way, like locking up with her or her punches?
5: Um, I knew that she would be strong Um I was I was surprised that I I didn't have more of an issue I guess with it. Um, obviously, when you know she had a, a, little, a couple of moments where she was on top and and uh, but I felt comfortable really never felt really in danger or out of you know out of my control. Um, but I knew that she would be very strong. I just felt like the technique I could bring would you know trump the power basically like how how it's supposed to when you're more technical. So.
4: Exactly. That's, that's exactly where I was going with that. I can tell right away that your technique was overriding whatever strength that she had. Uh, in fact, and I don't know if you caught on to this, but like at least later on in the late late into the fight, she was having a hard time breathing, and you didn't look like you had any issue at all.
5: <laughs> it's really funny. I, my cardio felt great, but I ha- I really felt. I was I was tired. <laughs> I don't know if it was my drowning down or what, but it was it was pretty wild the feeling that I had after the first round. But it wasn't really like a cardio you know, feeling. It was definitely just a muscular I'm not sure why, right. but <laughs> but I could tell she was tired, so I tried to hide the fact that I was exhausted.
4: <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You definitely had a good poker face. Her mouth was open, mm-hmm. and it was very obvious that, that, that <laughs> she was
5: bad. Yeah. People keep telling me it didn't look like it, so that's good. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
4: and I I watched I actually watched because this is your second pro fight. I went. I watched your first pro fight uh, against Rachel Wiley. I don't know mm-hmm. uh, that I, the. Uh, I, I don't know if you noticed this while it was going on, but I thought the ref was very late getting in there. I mean, you had, uh, you, had you had you had her locked up like middle of the first round, maybe if that, and you had her locked mm-hmm. up on the ground, but she kind of couldn't defend herself. Did you feel that the ref should like you know were you waiting for the ref to jump in at that point?
5: Um. Yeah, in a way you know, um, I knew that a stoppage was coming and the sense of time in the cage, it's like, you know, and I know this should be coming because it seems like the amount of time that should have passed for a stoppage, but, um, you know, when you're in there, it's it's just go, go, go until you get the finish. So at the time, I was just, you know, well, I guess it's just not long enough. I have to keep going, you know, until I get the finish, but um, looking back at it, um, it probably could have been stopped a little sooner, but she didn't seem like she was happy with the stoppage even when it did happen when it was over. So she was just real tough, you know. Um, all the girls are real tough, obviously, to be in there. So um, yeah, I, I trust the uh, the refs to make that call, and you know, I don't, I'm not really in a position to argue against it. So, but, yeah, definitely. <laughs>
4: Yeah, that, and that's exactly what I was thinking. Is that when it, while it was going on, I was like kind of yelling, like, why is this rep not stopping this? Because the girl had a hematoma on her forehead. Yeah. I, I mean, she looked like an an alien at the end. Uh, when you know when it was done, but you could see right away when it was stopped. that she, You were 100 percent right. She didn't. She did not want it stopped. Like she was. Yeah. Like, you know, she was definitely game. So,
5: yeah. So but, I mean, um, if you look, you know, there's always chances for. You know comebacks like the you know Corey Alkins a couple of weeks ago, right? You know he was getting elbowed in the first round and then comes back and wins the fight. Like who can forget that? And you know everybody wants to have that comeback when they're getting when they're getting beat in a fight. You know, so I don't blame her for being upset about it. I would have been too. <laughs>
4: right? Yeah. No. I mean that, that's why you guys do what you do. I mean you 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 want to be in there. You know. Uh... And I just want to just want to touch back uh, when you were talking with Zoot earlier about uh, female fighting. Uh, I, I know boxing, you know, that's old school, so they, you know, they uh, tend to frown upon it for whatever reason. But I, I find, and and I, mean, I don't know if you notice this or even think about it, I find almost every fight that the women seem to be getting after it. Like going for the finish. I've never watched a boring fight, and I don't know if that's something that's in like uh, within you, like, or well, with every, you know, is, is it something trying to prove something, or or what that is. But I, I I've seen, I, I, don't think I've ever seen a boring fight. Yeah, um, I, I hear
5: that, I hear that from people, and and it could be any number of things. Um, I feel like it might have something to do with the stakes. Um, especially right now in, in like, the featherweight division, you know, there are eyes on it. There's a lot of opportunity. And just like when UFC first started, you know, people wanted to put on a show so they would get that call, you know, to to move up in the division. Um, For the men right now, there's so many, you know, there's a lot more men that compete. So getting the win is maybe more important than putting on a show, whereas the women, there's fewer of us. So putting on the show will give us a spotlight, you know, quicker than just having the wins. You know, there's a, there's girls in the UFC that don't have that many wins, but they're putting on a show when they fight. So it's kind of like going back to the beginning of when UFC started. I kind of feel like that might have something to do with why we, you know, why we just want to bring it every time. And getting the win is like a bonus.
4: <laughs> exactly. I, I I think you're looking at my notes because, I was also going to just jump into the featherweight division.
2: Yeah, that's
4: like Bellator just opened that up. UFC just opened that up. Invicta's got it. You know, that is to me is like an up and coming division. That you know, someone like yourself, if you're staying at featherweight, there's a lot of doors there. I would think. hmm Yeah,
5: that's the um, plan. I plan to stick around. <laughs>
4: Yeah. Yeah. So is that, uh, cause I know you did fight at lightweight previously. Is, is, are you comfortable at featherweight? Is that where you feel like you need to be?
5: Yeah. I always felt like that would be the, you know, my home. Um, I'm, I'm not afraid to go back to a fight at lightweight, you know, um, I'm, I'm I feel like I'm capable of competing in either weight class, but, uh, opportunities, like you said, are, are exponentially bigger in the featherweight division and, um, there weren't a lot of lightweights that wanted to fight me anyway, so going to right. featherweight and trying to just take over this division and see where it takes me. Hopefully, they'll let me fight again soon.
4: <laughs> yeah, I, I, I know. I'm looking forward to that. Um, so I just, I just have to ask you. Just, I'll, I'll ask you one more, uh, and then, and, and just this might be. Uh, so you're you're now in out of Orlando, Florida. Is that right? Is that right? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So how how long have you been there?
5: I've been at the Jungle uh, since 2009. Um, I grew oh, up wow, in okay. Southwest so you, you Florida, yeah. So I've I've been at the same gym for a long time. Um, nice. yeah, pretty much uh, training with the Jungle, Mike Lee, and and everyone there for a long time. So. Yeah. So
4: do, do you have a uh, Do you have a season pass at Disney, or is that not your thing? <laughs>
5: um, I I actually got my first season pass to Universal last year, um, but yeah, they're kind of expensive and. I was thinking maybe Disney could sponsor me, and that would be pretty cool, (laughs) fighting out of Orlando right now. (laughs) So, if anyone from Disney is listening, (laughs) I'll wrap it on my banner (laughs) now. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I'm not kidding. (laughs) Um, Yeah, that'd be cool. But, uh, yeah, from Orlando, there's a lot more than than Disney, but, um, yeah, it's cool. It's a cool city, for sure. Hopefully, I can fight in Orlando one day. I've never done it before, so... Even as an amateur, I haven't had a chance to. So. Okay. Yeah. Nice.
4: Well, thank you for uh, for giving me
5: your time. Of course. Thank, thank you, you Eric. For and, all the. So.
4: I do have a
0: couple more questions before we we do let you go. Thanks, Eric. Uh, good, great questions there. Uh, uh, when the fight ended, uh, uh this is always obviously a, a tense moment, and er- Eric spoke of how. Uh, female fighters always go for the finishes. Didn't get the finish, but spectacular performance nonetheless. Uh, were, you, were you more than confident that the scores would be read right in your favor? I mean, uh, uh, over the years, I'm sure you've had your fair share of, uh, if not being involved in witnessing some horrendous scorecards. So, were you fully confident when that final bell rang? Um,
5: I was confident, but like you said, it's always, it's always a. Uh scary moment um i haven't had a decision read for a a while and i i did not i wasn't about letting it get to a decision um but i I was i was confident um just a little on edge when the decision was being read
0: (laughs) yeah definitely uh understandable last question i have for you uh you, you mentioned being in the jungle since 2009. Could you, you, you talk a little bit about the evolution of the jungle? Uh, is it vastly different from your uh, entrance to it in 2009 to 2017? What kind of advancements has it made?
5: Um, in, in some ways, it's, it's the same, but in, in like in other ways, um, you know, the team has grown. There's a really strong women's, you know, women's team. A lot of girls that are training now. It's not just me anymore, and um, but the, you know, sort of the original coaches are still there. I've had, I've had a ton of different coaches come through the jungle, um, and even name all of them, but, um, you know, and everyone that comes through the jungle, you know, stays and coaches for a few months or a few years, they all are part of my, you know, they all leave a piece of their, of their game with me. So I'm really grateful to the opportunities that the jungle has provided, you know, through all the, the different coaching staff that I've had to be part of my training over the years. Um, oh. So, yeah, the, everything, you know, its everything changes in the gym, but kind of the uh, aura stays the same, you know.
0: Oh, good, good. So uh, if you want to make a prediction, uh, when do you think you'll be fighting next?
5: Uh, I hope I i would like to fight on the next card. I'm guessing that would be in May, but um, I know there's a lot of girls on the roster. So if not in May, then hopefully the next card after that in the summertime i would assume so uh definitely don't want to let another year and a half go by before i fight again
0: <laughs> right 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 uh is there a location set for me yet
5: i i don't think so i haven't heard anything about that
0: all right uh eric anything else uh for felicia hold on eric uh, Mike is no, opening, i just, go ahead. Uh,
4: just uh i appreciate your time and uh I, I look forward to uh, to watching you in the future
5: for sure. Well, thank you. I really appreciate you guys uh, involving me in your your uh, show and all the compliments. It means a lot to hear from you guys, and I can't wait to do it again.
0: All right, thank you. Now's the time, to, Felicia, for some uh, closing remarks. Anything you want to plug? Any social media uh, you want the fans to know about? Now's the time. Thank you for your time, and uh, now it's time for your closing
5: remarks. Well, yeah, thank you. Uh, Um, I definitely would like to thank my my biggest sponsors, uh, Lucas Wine and Spirits from the Kansas City area, Um, the Josh Sandman MMA Foundation, um, you know, a big part of the Orlando MMA community. So I just wanted to, um, you know, spread the awareness about that foundation and, uh, you know, just everyone that's been supportive, my team, you know, everyone, uh, all the fans and and everyone in general that watches and supports the show, so I just want to say thank you.
0: All right, thank you. Looking forward to seeing you uh, fight again soon, and looking forward to having you come on the show again. Uh, it was a pleasure. Thank you again again, and enjoy the rest of your evening.
5: Thank you so much.
0: All right, thank you, Bye. Felicia Phenom Spencer from Florida, and uh, Eric, you, you were, I think, really ahead of the curve here with the female fighting. I think you were one of the first. Uh, people that I know that was uh, really on top of it and and, uh, a frequent follower of it. Now it's much bigger. There's a lot more exposure. But uh, you were on this MMA women's fighting stuff a very long time ago. I even think even before Rousey exploded. Oh, definitely. I mean, I was a fan of... uh,
4: like. And there was other fighters before UFC had, you know, women fighting, uh, in, in, you know, in their organization. So, yeah, no, I definitely been, uh, watching their fights. you know, back in the wild, you know, a long time ago, it was harder to find them. You know, you had to go online, whatever. But, um, like I said, they always put on good fights. They're always going after it. Um, the only, the other thing I'm thinking of in terms of that aspect of it, you know, a lot of times in gyms, when there's, uh, with guys, you know, someone might step up, take an amateur fight, someone else takes an amateur fight, and they kind of feel like, and everybody's sort of at the same level in the gym, and I think they kind of feel like, all right, yeah, now it's going to be my turn. Maybe inside it's not something they really, really want to do, but they go ahead and do it. I, I think with, with the females, it's like they're either doing it or not, and when they were doing it, they're all in. You know what I mean? I get, that's the sense that I get watching them fight, that they're just –
0: all in, you know? Yeah, definitely. Uh, I mean, I mean, uh, I, I haven't been. I mean, I, I have been a fan, but I haven't been a, a frequent flyer mile like you. Uh, but I've, I've watched a lot of the last few Invictus and uh, entertained from start to finish uh, i'm finding myself looking for more uh female fights on on the internet to watch uh that's the one of the other great things about having fight pass you could watch some of these uh female fighters there you could watch the invicto library so yeah i'm definitely i'm a little bit more of a late comer but uh I, I really you know to me it uh, all man's card all women's card you know uh, to me, it's all the same. I, I, I'm equally entertained, and so in uh, with the UFC and some and Bellator, it's it's great to have a mixed card as well. And oftentimes, the females are the best fights of the night.
4: Absolutely, I always look forward to them. When I look at the card, I'm actually disappointed if I if I don't see uh, you know women on the card. To be honest, because those fights are always entertaining.
0: Yeah, definitely, and uh, good stuff there from Felicia, and uh, I'm not going to reveal anything yet, but I'm working on having another uh, female fighter on the show next week. Uh, but uh, we know how it is with guests, so I'm, I'm not going to reveal anything. I'll, I'll tell you off the air, but I'm not going to reveal anything on the air as, as of yet. Uh, but uh, <laughs> we'll switch gears a little bit. We talked a little bit about uh, the uh, uh, Jimmy Manuel Anderson card uh, with Nick. Uh, we did not talk about uh, – Brad Pickett's final fight, though, with him, so I wanted to get your take on that, obviously. Uh, Pickett is a guy that will go on and live, and Emma lore is the first guy to beat uh, Demetrius Mount Johnson, only one of two men to do so. Uh, and in that fight, just an absolute mixed martial arts clinic. Never quite put it all together like he did in that one fight, but obviously... Uh, a great career, sad ending in a way, but, uh, the guy looks like, uh, you know, it was time and, uh, we wish him well in his retirement. You, your thoughts on, uh, uh, the uh, uh, holistically in, in that final fight. Yeah. I mean,
4: actually, you know, the back end of his career, the last couple of, I don't know, a couple of years, uh, I mean, he's been fighting killers, right? He's fighting Ian McCall. He's fighting Chico Camus and, Uriah Faber and Yuri Alcantara. So he's fighting. He's fighting beats at, a, at, a, at, a, at an I'd say older age. When you're the first thing they go, they say is speed. And when you're at that weight, you're fighting bantamweight, flyweight, featherweight. Speed is you need speed, right? That's so he's he's been uh, he's lost a lot of his last two fights, but he's always in the fight. Uh, this particular fight, he was winning the fight. Like I know yeah for sure you're right. sure he was winning a decision, I know at the end of the second uh uh Vera started coming on a little bit, but I still thought it was like I never really saw him in danger, you know uh so but if you're gonna lose a fight on your way out, uh that was the way to do it i mean i I think I even cried at the end I mean it was like that was really, yeah it
2: was
0: sad.
4: uh it was thing. sad.
0: Yeah, and I saw I I I was like, well, if he manages to go to distance he'll win, but I I started getting worried that he's going to get caught with something towards the end of that second round and obviously uh that's what happened, but I I not that you wanted to see him lose. It was good to be in in a sense that it showed that the UFC wasn't just, uh, you know, serving up this soft cupcake for him. And there was no gentleman's agreement beforehand uh, that uh, Vera wasn't going to try and knock his block off. And, uh, you know, so in that sense, it was I thought it was good.
4: Yeah, yeah, definitely. There's no softballs at that level. You know, I mean, it's not like uh, like pro wrestling or, you know, where they can set. Or even boxing, for that matter, where you have, you know, these guys taking fights that they, they should have. I, I, which you know, you look at a boxing card sometimes. There's four fights. You know exactly who's going to win every fight. Yeah, you, know, you don't get that at this level of MMA. And you're, I mean, that's why there's no undefeated people really. They, you're fighting killers every time. You know, and and that's what makes the fight right. the fights entertaining
0: you know yeah right and there was no like preconceived like a, a gentleman's agreement like i i i, I you know I, i'll never be able to prove this but i think there was a gentleman's agreement in the uh pacquiao mayweather fight like yeah we're not gonna try You uh, know, i'm not saying pacquiao didn't try and win but uh it might not even have been actually spoken but uh they weren't going to bring it the way they could have brought it and uh I just worried for a little bit that Vara would be that guy. Uh, but once the fight started, I, I knew that wasn't going to be the case. No, and that's
4: the thing about it is the respect. I mean, Marlon Vera was actually a fan of Brad Pickett. And, but, you know, once the, you know, once the cage locks and you're in there, you've got to do what you've got to do. That doesn't mean you have any animosity. You know, I mean, they, they're in there to do their thing and because that's what they love to do. And that's why they're, you know, at the end, they're hugging it out or whatever. You know, I mean that's you know, it's a, there's a mutual respect there. So uh, I mean that's what makes it great. That's what makes MMA make great.
0: Yeah, yeah I, and that's why I, UFC uh, sometimes it gets some flack, but uh, I, I don't see how. Uh, well, let's move to to Manoa. Uh, when I was talking to Nikki, I thought Corey Anderson was. Uh, uh, winning that fight, uh, you know, I didn't agree. I didn't have the heart to tell him uh, first show. It's not arguing <laughs> with the guy. But, uh, you know, I'm sure he's listening and he's going to hear this, so we'll talk about that. But uh, obviously, judges were not needed in this uh, fight. And you and I spoke off the air about uh, possibly Manuel getting uh, the Cormier Rumble winner. Uh, does that look like – doesn't look like that's going to happen. It looks like they set the leapfrog John Jones in there. And uh, Nick and I expressed our feelings about that. What say you? So
4: is that? I mean, because I, I haven't heard most of most most recent. Is that is John Jones sort of official?
0: Not official, of course, but that's what the that, not official, but that's what the word is. He's getting the winner of Cormier Rumble. That's what the word is on social media, but I haven't seen anything that I'm confident to say it's official. But just the fact that it's out there to me is troublesome. Well, what about you?
4: Yeah. Well, sir, from what I what I heard soon after the Manuel fight was that being that um, Rumble and and uh, Cormier were fighting in April that there's a chance in the next couple of months that they would set up Manila against John Jones. Now, I don't know if that had any legs or not, but that was, that was at least in the discussion. Um, right. I, I think that, I mean, my personal opinion is I would like to see Manila get the shot uh, straight up against the winner of, Rumble and, and Cormier, I and mean, that's my personal opinion. Um, but if they make him fight John Jones, I would buy that. But I what I'd rather not see is John Jones just step in and get a title shot. That that's my opinion.
0: Yeah, definitely. I I would definitely feel a little bit better about it if he didn't have to have a fight before getting rewarded with a title shot because let's be honest, he, he's been away from some uh, you know heinous behavior where the average person probably wouldn't get a second chance so soon, if at all. So, uh, so there's that, but uh, there, there's a lot of other stuff going on at uh, the light heavyweight division. Uh, Texera, golf, Guff, uh I think is uh, official, right? I, I think you were the one that told me yep. that, yep. And
4: then, that to see that's going to that be, that be beautiful. Yeah. Oh, that, that is fantastic. To, to steal oh, Tim, I'm Tim, I'm Tim Witherspoon's words, that. that's
0: going to be beautiful. <laughs>
4: Okay. <laughs> no, I was saying I mean I was looking at when uh when Minna was, was fighting, I was looking around ahead in the light heavyweight division, and I'm like, What what are they what, what other matchups are out there? And I was like, yeah, I don't remember the Kashira fight Justin. I was like, That would be a good fight and then I started looking and I'm like, Wait a minute, they got that lined up. I wanna say with May. I don't have it in front of me, I have to look that up, but I, I but I think it's coming up in May. That is that's a born burner. That I'm definitely looking forward to. Uh that yeah, I think here. I think it's a
0: non pay reviewer, if I'm not mistaken, which is an added bonus. Uh, so that, that 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 should be. I think it's a fight night uh, main event, but I could be mistaken. I um, I don't remember what I did ten minutes ago, Eric. So, uh, but uh, yeah. I think that's yeah. the case. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, uh, but the, I'll ask you the same question I asked uh, Nick though. If it is uh, Manuel, and you were training him. Uh, what do you do with this guy? I mean, I, it's already been set, set that he can't beat the Rumble in a striking contest. If it's Rumble, uh, if Rumble takes him to the ground, he don't know what to do. So that means he's not going to have much uh, luck against uh, Cormier on the ground. And uh, I don't think he has the one-strike power to net Cormier out of there. Rumble didn't. So I, I either way, if I'm training this guy, I mean, obviously you take it. Uh, he's going to take it. He's going to bring it. But what kind of strategy could you bring to the table to improve his chances against a top guy where he has not necessarily had the kind of success uh, that you're looking for when he fights a uh, step up at that level?
4: Yeah, that's, that's tough. Uh, that, uh, none of them are easy. He's never going to catch up to Cormier wrestling-wise at this stage. Uh, And I think Nick pointed out, you know, the best you can do is work on your wrestling defense. Um, If if he can do that, does he have a chance to outstrike decision Cormier? That's definitely possible. Um, But I don't know if he's got the legs to do that, you know, I mean, he's not Steven Thompson, you know, so that's a tough fight there. Uh, Rumble, <laughs> it's hard to look at Rumble and say anybody can beat him. You think that he can just knock anybody out, right? So that right. stuff right there. That might be the better fight stylistically because I don't think while Rumble is a has a wrestling background, it's, I don't know that he'd actually he just likes to fight. So I can see that staying standing and I can see, you know, at least he has a chance at the feet in that one. Uh, and if he does work on his wrestling defense, it might be more effective against Rumble than against Cormier. None of these fights are easy. I mean, you know, these are these are beasts. So, I mean, none of this is easy.
0: Right, right. You want to go in there uh, with a game plan, mm-hmm. though, and I think both of these guys are uh, terrible style matches for for Manoa, but obviously he's itching at the bit to get the title shot, and we'll see what happens. Uh, so, uh moving uh to the next pace here and uh, here's where you will offer uh, an an official uh prediction A slow week uh you know you' you notice uh, at least i w is the prediction guru we won't use the word profit. We'll keep that out of this. But uh, you know, I don't know if you'll, <laughs> if you want to give your own uh, tag name like that. Uh, you know, but uh, the one fight I do want to get a prediction on. You know, feel free. Um, you know, me uh, is the rematch between uh, Rampage uh, and King Mo. Uh, I, I you know I, I'm relieved that it's not a pay per view. This was a pay per view the first time around. Uh, it's a really good fight for uh, Spike. Bellator MMA Friday Night Main Event, uh, maybe not for the wise, but certainly for us. Uh, and uh, it it's certainly is intriguing. As the first fight was probably more intriguing than action packed. What do you think?
4: Yeah, definitely. Um, it's definitely a great fight for Bellator. You know, they have a giant card coming up with uh, with Chael and and uh, 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 what's his name there, uh, the Axe Murderer, they have Vandalay. So they can you know, fill in a card like this on, on free T V, that's huge. But uh, you know, they they're very evenly matched in terms of their skill sets. But um I I think I'm gonna go with Rampage on this. I think overall he's uh he's been in there with better competition. Uh if you look at like his whole career. Um He's a little bit. He's, he's obviously he's larger than, than 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 King Mo. I don't know. That, I mean, King Mo. He fought at heavyweight. He his last fight against Crow Cop. I want to say he was like maybe 213 pounds or something like that. He's not a true heavyweight. Um, he doesn't have he doesn't have the legs for heavyweight. And if they're fighting where Rampage could come in at 225 or 230 or anywhere near that. Um, I, I think it's going to be too much for Mo. Uh, he's not going to out wrestle him at that weight, and Rampage has been has been a decent wrestler as of late. As of late. So I want to go with Rampage on this. Um, I don't know if it's a five round fight. If it's three rounds, I could see a decision or even a third round stoppage on on Rampage's side there. So.
0: All right. So. Uh... Yeah, I mean, interesting. I mean, the first time around it was the up till this point, Bellator's only uh, pay per view, and it did not. Uh, I mean, sixty five thousand buys is you know, if you're measuring it uh, in terms of uh, UFC, that's very low, and for boxing, it's horrendous. Uh, you know, Triple G Jacobs did one hundred and seventy thousand buys, and that was considered bad. The 65,000 buys, uh, so, uh, they didn't have the, the buy power to put the rematch on pay-per-view, but they are giving another, uh, stab at pay-per-view in June. Uh, with, I, I think Fedor and, uh, Matt Mitrione is part of that card and, uh, that, that will be at Madison Square Garden. So, I mean, you're, you're a guy that buys most UFC, uh, pay-per-views, uh, and, uh, some do extremely well. Some do extremely low. Uh, what do you think the selling point is uh, for some people? Obvious? I mean, because we've had the, the female cards uh, even without Ronda Rousey. The, the last, I, I think it was uh, one of the last female cards without Rousey was not involved and in, did a million buys on pay-per-view. Uh, but then the, the card you you said was the best card ever with Holloway. uh did very bad in terms of pay-per-view numbers. So so what do you think is the selling points for people uh, to pluck down their money for these things?
4: Uh, I think, really, part of it is the way the UFC promotes these fights. And, you know, there's a lot of this. this you have the people that buy like every UFC pay-per-view and then you've got the ones that, that only, you know, the, there's a name catch to it. And, you know, I guess, you know, Holloway, while you know, if you're watching all the fights, you know that that he's a great fighter. But you know, if you're if you're kind of a casual follower, you might maybe that doesn't stick out for you. And 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 the UFC is not pushing, you know, somebody like that. So I think a lot of it's the backing, you know, and 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 telling these people stories and getting their names out there and pushing it. So I, I think promotion is definitely you know a big part of that. Why by the you know I guess like the casual or occasional buyer doesn't buy a lot of these events. You know when they see a, a Ronda Rousey name or a Conor McGregor, you know that they're, they're all in, but uh, they're not following every single card.
0: Yeah, I mean uh, Holloway vs. Pettis, that was a card in early December. Uh, did only 153 sorry 150,000 pay per view buys, sandwiched in between McGregor Alvarez. Uh, 1.3 million and uh, Nunes Rousey, 1.1 1. 1 million. So there you go. And uh, I think uh, overall pound for pound, the holiday the Holloway Pettis card uh, was the much better card of, of all three.
4: Yeah. And I think you hit the nail on the head right there is that it was sandwiched between, you know, uh, Ron, Rousey and McGregor and, you know, not everybody can buy every card, even if they wanted to, so it's like, well, how many, so now you got to start picking this card versus that card. I mean, not everybody can buy, uh, you know, one, two pay-per-views every single month for 50 $60 or whatever, you know. So that, 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 that's part of it, too. So it's people that, you know, they're picking and choosing because, you know, there's only so many you can buy. So right. the big name ones they don't want to miss out on, you know, they don't want to be the water cooler Monday morning and the only one that didn't see the Conor McGregor fight. So, you know, those are the ones that they're they're going after, you know.
0: Right, right. Yeah, and uh, the, the Tate versus Nunes did a little over a million buys. That was the one, and that was uh, July of last year, right? And smack in the summer. So uh, that was UFC 200. Obviously, those uh, special ones. Those, uh So well, yeah, uh, I mean. I, like, yeah. yeah. So I, I mean, I I think Cormier Rumble has the capacity to break a, a million. What do you think? I'll ask for that prediction now, maybe not, not not the fight prediction, but the prediction of the pay-per-view buys at this point. You get a popular guy in Weidman and an excellent fight as the co-feature. Is that, is that breaking a million pay-per-view buys, that card?
4: You know what? I'm going to actually say no. I, I, I'm going to say no. For whatever reason, Cormier doesn't draw. I mean, he's, you know, as good as he is. He's good. I mean, obviously in Roma, they're all good fighters, but for some reason. Right, right. He doesn't draw. Um, there's this stigma of the light heavyweight division that it doesn't matter because it's not John Jones. Yeah. You know, they, there's no neither one of them are the real champion. Uh, so, uh, you know, I don't see that. I honestly, I don't think it's going to be. You know, uh, Weidman and Gegard Musashi. Weidman's a big name. I mean, musashi has been around 100 years, but Weidman's an East Coast guy. I don't know if anyone else cares. You know. Uh, and the rest of the fight, I mean, the rest of the card on the, the main card, is not, you know, I mean, I mean they are great fights, but in terms of mainstream, mainstream right, right. You, know, you got the Alvarez and Patrick Cote. Uh, Talk
0: about being Elvis, around 100 Real years.
4: Bush. Right.
0: <laughs> I saw that Real fight. Bush I was like, and did, did I just Argentina. get thrown into a time machine and not know about it? <laughs> I
4: was like, uh, wow, I mean, Patrick Cote
0: still in- fighting.
4: <laughs> yeah, man, oh so man, they, but yeah, and, and Thiago Alves I mean, right? So, you know, All right, right, yeah, yeah another guy. Say, and they added, they recently added the last couple of weeks. They added uh, uh, a women's fight to the main event card, uh, but they're fairly up and coming fighters that mainstream people aren't going to know. I'm sure it's going to be a good fight, but you know, again, there's no name recognition to it, so. I'm gonna go with no. I think that's under a million buys, to be honest. All
0: right, uh, the bold prediction, and uh, we're bringing it back. I like it. Uh, so we we predict all, everything other than just, not just the fight outcomes. So the first time around, <laughs> three hundred seventy-five thousand pay-per-view buys. Eric, uh, does it go over or under that?
4: Hmm. I would say over. I'm gonna say probably. I'll go. I'll go just under half a 1000000 I'll go maybe half mil.
0: All right, we'll see. And I know this is uh, not a boxing show, but uh, you know, since I have you on, I want you. Uh, One hundred seventy thousand buys for Triple G Jacobs uh, disappointing across the board. Were you expecting low numbers like that? do you think it would have done better? We didn't talk about this beforehand, no. but
5: yeah, no. I
0: thought it would have got at least two fifty, three hundred. I thought that, yeah. that would have been respectable.
4: Yeah, it's, sorry. It's go ahead. Mean, but it's not. It's a shame but it's not surprising um, For whatever reason Triple G is a bad rap uh, In terms of who he fights Which is not his fault The middleweight division in boxing Is 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 Right now probably one of the lowest Draws in, in, You know I mean that's, you know, that's A division that for years was The division like that was the main You know I mean but uh, It's not surprising at all to be honest uh, Jacob's Danny is a great is a great fighter and it and it was certainly legit competition, but but not a not a household name. So until Triple G can get in there with uh, Canelo or Chavez Jr. or something, just people aren't interested. It's just for whatever mm-hmm. reason, I don't know why, but he just hasn't. He has not been able to to establish himself as a household name. So no, it's not surprising that it was that low.
0: And and you talked about how the UFC uh, sometimes rolls out the red carpet for the promotion of certain cards and not so much on others. Promotion for this fight was horrible. Yeah,
4: definitely. Yeah, I couldn't even. I mean, I don't think I knew. I think maybe I found out a couple of weeks before that they were even fighting. think it was it was terrible. You know. They, they boxing, doesn't, well, maybe that's the downside, with all these different, the way it's broken up into the organizations where like a UFC or a Bellator can, that may be more backing money. I, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that, but they, boxing is not, they're not pushing themselves. Uh, I mean, they try they tried with the PBC. They try to kind of go that UFC route for whatever reason. It didn't, they weren't making, they were losing money, even though that they were, even though the fight cards, they were getting good viewers they were losing money for whatever reason. You know, I don't understand that side of it, but... Yeah, yeah,
0: it seems like they're willing to watch on free TV most of the boxing cards, whether it's on network television or whether it's on, like, uh, you know, ESPN or Spike or stuff like that. They usually get pretty good ratings, but not with the pay-per-views, and the promotions don't push it. Uh, I mean, and HBO is like... Been the the big granddaddy of the pay per views lately. They more most of their cards have been pay per views. They have only have one non pay per view card so far this year, and they've been doing a terrible job in promoting it.
4: A terrible job in promoting it, and terrible job in matchmaking. Now some of the couple of fights recently, they've been a lot of some decent cards, but I think they lost a lot of viewership. You again, we touched on it before talking about like MMA. These guys are – top guys are always fighting top guys. You're looking right. at boxing cards, nine out of ten cards. You can handpick who's going to win. I don't know how anyone's even betting on these fights, how, how a hooker can make money because everyone knows he's going to win. It doesn't make any sense to me. They, right. they, they've got to gotta forget about this undefeated nonsense mm-hmm. and just yeah. fight. Just fight each other. And get in there yeah. and fight each other. Yeah, they got to put on a show
0: that's what well, I'll tell you how they make money, the, the bookies anyway. Uh, the, the favorite, you got to pretty much mortgage your house to win $100. And, uh, right. you know, a lot of people are like, hey, what the, what the heck, I'll pluck down some Scarola on the, the underdog and who knows? That's how they make their money. Right. Uh, so, but uh, you, you're right. I mean, and it has gotten a little better. I mean, Jacobson, the uh, triple G was a, a for foray into that Two top guys there, but you know, they have a lot to learn in terms of how they market their women fighters and how to uh, put on better cards. I, 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 I agree. Any boxing people who who are going to listen to this are going to wind up hating me, but the, the, the truth is the truth. Uh, you know, straight, straight talk, bring it. So, <laughs> that leads me to my last point. Unless you wanted to say something else about it,
4: no, no, I think we've covered. Kind of beat it
0: to death there a little bit. Yeah, so uh, let's beat this to death a little bit. Uh, so I asked,
4: uh,
0: <laughs> I, I asked Nick about McGregor and 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 and, and Floyd, and there the, you cannot. I, I you know, I, give me a free ticket, I'll go. Yeah, somebody's going to invite me to their house free of charge, I'll go watch it but you, you're not getting me to buy this nonsense but at the same time I see a disturbing in my opinion trend of people legitimizing this fight the same way they, they, they legitimized Trump to to a certain degree but we're not going to get into that but they're starting to legitimize this fight I was listening to Randy Gordon's show the other day They they, they were legitimizing it and uh, when I went to the boxing match to cover Mike and Collin's debut, McGregor was there, and, and all of the, it, it all of a sudden became a sideshow circus. The boxing didn't matter anymore. All of these prominent boxing guys, they get the, you know, they, they get the premium credentials. They're, they're all losing their minds at the sight of Conor McGregor, a guy six, seven months ago they probably couldn't give a damn about. And all accident, they're all covering the fight, talking about the fight, showing that it was boxing. All this, Please don't tell me you're one of those guys who's going to try and legitimize this.
4: It's not a legitimate fight. I mean, I, I, I'm still uh, on the fence as to whether or not I would watch it. Unfortunately, it's not a legitimate fight. It's, it's boxing, and Conor McGregor is not going to compete. I mean, I've watched them fighting sparring, Professional boxers, and he wasn't doing that great. Floyd Mayweather, if he, Floyd, this fight's going to go however Floyd wants it to go, if Floyd May, Mayweather wants to play it safe, it'll go the distance. If three rounds in, he turns it up, he could stop Conor McGregor, even though he hasn't been stopping guys, you know, it, it, as you know, in recent years. But that this is not a competitive boxing match, uh, is it? The, the previews are going to be more entertaining than this fight. Uh, they probably make more money in commercials than they make in some of the boxing cards that they've got. Like, right. I'd
3: on.
0: rather see these two guys compete on, like, Dances with the Stars or something like that. I think that'd be more entertaining. <laughs> uh, that'd be more legitimate. Uh, I mean, I, I think McGregor has a chance there. And we wouldn't have to pay $100 to see it. This fight's going to be $100, $125 to
4: buy. That's ridiculous. Right. I mean, and, and Floyd Mayweather, I mean, he's uh, – and you and I both know, realistically, he, he lost a couple fights that, we, that in our eyes. But, you know, so there, there or not, the guy's been fighting, you know, I mean, the Canelo Alvarez's and the Maidana's and you can go on back, you know, Cotto. The guy's a legit boxer. He, you know, no matter what, whatever you think of the guy, you know, oh, yeah. he's highly yeah. skilled. Defensive fighter, you know, you putting, you know, eight or ten ounce gloves on Conor McGregor, that are just going to bounce off of Floyd's shoulders. I, I, I don't see this being competitive,
0: you know. Yeah, and if you and people could go back to the early days when Floyd was a lot more offensive, he was brilliant. Uh, you know, once the O started becoming a thing, he, he, he didn't, uh, you know go all out with the offense, and he became much more decent. But if you watch the early part of Mayweather's career, he was an offensive dynamo. Uh, guy. The, the, the same guys who were tweeting, oh, look, I'm talking to Conor McGregor, probably forgot that. But I didn't. He, you know, and I don't know if he could turn it up like that, but he won't have to in this fight. If you want to call it a fight. Yeah, right. Uh,
4: right. I, mean, I, I think he could turn it up. If you, I, I really do think, can. Um whether or not you will, I don't know. And if it does, if it does happen, it's clearly going to be his last fight. I gotta believe. So you know, I'm thinking he's going to go all in in terms of you know turning it up. But uh, yeah, what I mean by
0: turning up is the the offense, the, the offensive combination. Right. He used to blister from his younger days at 40 years old, long layoff. I, I don't know, but he he'll only have to do half that. You know, to get to, to get right. through this thing.
4: And, and to be partially fair, he has had a lot of hand injuries as well. Um, you know, early in his career, he was knocking guys out in three rounds, uh, but he, I think he broke his hand like, I don't know, five times or something. bunch of know, times, so,
0: yeah. yeah the Emmanuel yeah. Costa's fight, I think, was one of the first fights he really had big hand damage, and that, that was one of his... Probably most exciting fights ever because Augustus was given to him pretty good with the right hands, uh, bloodied his nose up. Uh, you know the HBO crew thought that the, the, when Cotto fought him, that was the first time he ever drew blood. But it shows you that they don't they they only watch their product. But uh, you yeah. know, not that he was losing that fight, but that very competitive fight in, in terms of being offensive when he fought Augustus, and one of the first times I remember him. Talking about hand problems, so that's a a good point there. But he could go in there with his hands tied behind his back and still win this boxing match. Yes,
4: yeah, I would agree. It, 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 the, it, it's the spectacle that everyone's going to see. I, I you know, like, they're not going to go. They're not going to if they think they're going to find a a slugfest and a good fight, they're not going to find it there.
0: Yeah, and, and in a way, I, I, I guess. I'm starting to scare myself as I'm thinking here out loud, but in a way, I guess I could give Mayweather a little credit because if he ever happens to lose or gets knocked out, it'll be over for him in terms of his legacy, in terms of his undefeated legacy.
4: Especially getting knocked out by a guy that's, yeah. that's O and O in professional boxing.
0: Yeah, I mean, so yeah. in that aspect, I, I guess I have to give him credit for that. I'm still not going to watch it,
4: unless I, I could watch you know, it as to, a free capacity. The other part of this that's aggravating to listen to is this—you know—the whole boxing versus MMA thing. You know, well, this is—you know—boxing's revenge. You know, the MMA—they they had the Couture fight uh, James Tony.
0: Tony, yeah, <laughs> right.
4: You know, which is which was ridiculous. And I mean at that point, you know, James Tony was not was not a, at that stage of his career was not a puncher. He wasn't knocking anybody out. So
2: right, you know that
4: that to use that as a gauge to begin with is ridiculous. To even to even, to even talk about it is ridiculous. They're two different things. They're not the same things.
5: You know? Yeah, and there
0: have been other boxers that have fought it. Didn't Ray Mercer win an MMA fight? <laughs> I don't know if it was like a professional or an amateur. There were some boxers who fought it in, in MMA. Yeah. I don't know. Um, you know, so probably not as high profile, not on the UFC level. Uh, right. But uh, James Tony got that fight because of his skills as a marketer. He pretty much uh, you know, chased down Dana White, wherever he was, to get that fight.
4: Yep, he talked his way into that fight for sure. I mean, he, you know, he was saying he was, you know, everywhere. No one can beat me, and you know, he was entertaining. So every everybody bought, you know, people bought into it, right? And everybody that I spoke
0: with, yeah, everybody that I spoke with said that he really trained to stuff a takedown down. Uh, You know, he really trained to work on his uh, sprawls, work on uh, on ground defense. but uh, which is pretty laughable, considering if you, you, you watch the fight, how easy Couture took. Come down. But, uh, you know, he he was he really believed in himself. And I, and I think that's the danger here, because I think McGregor really believes in himself, too, and uh, is going to be in for a rude awakening. But this is all about a money grab scam, in my opinion. And uh, for that, they both will be successful. They're both going to come out of as much richer than they already are.
4: Oh, definitely. You know, and, uh, and going just real quick on the—I mean, the James Tony training—you could have a 42-year-old boxer, whatever how old he was, going to start begin training wrestling t- takedowns, and then you're fighting one of the greatest MMA wrestlers of all time. <laughs> it doesn't—you know—you're not going to do anything. You're not even yeah. six months going to learn how to stop Randy Couture. From, from taking you down. I mean, it's, it's just—it's a
0: ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, that, that would have been a great Hollywood script, but not—not uh, not anything equated to reality. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, we're approaching the end. Eric, anything else you want to throw out there, or you wanted to discuss in the last few minutes? Uh, so we only have one official prediction. On record, uh, unless you wanted it, I didn't. I don't think you wanted to bother predicting any of the other Bellator fights. But we have Rampage, uh, third round stoppage. Is that your official
4: yeah, prediction? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll go official on that. I'll go official on that. I'll go third round stoppage TKO. Maybe you know, ground and pound. Refs got to come in and stop it.
0: All right, so. Um, uh, we have nothing else here, so uh, you have one fight. So, you, are you willing to put your whole reputation on the line for this one fight? Can I still your your name is Guru? Is that is it is it in danger? Are you are you are you that you know? I I, I never talk about the betting or all that stuff, but if people are listening and are thinking about plucking money down on this fight, uh, is that money spent wisely? How confident are you in that prediction?
4: I, was, I I in this particular fight. I'm fairly confident. When we move along to UFC 210, I would say don't listen to me. <laughs> well, I think on the main event, there's a couple of fights on there that, that, that I that I'm uh, off. But...
0: Yeah, I mean, the, 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 I, what, what? No, I'm sorry. Go
4: ahead. No, I, I mean, I've, I'm fairly confident in, in in this in this fight. Uh, the right.
0: Fight. Yeah, that's the thing about predictions. Like so many there, there are a couple of things, and I, I just do it here because I, I, you know when we talk, you're usually pretty accurate with the predictions when we talk about fights leading into to it. So I think it's a, a cool thing. That but yeah, unless you're really going. And, and, and in the MMA it's a bunch harder than boxing like as you said people they boast about a big prediction record on boxing when uh you know as you said before <laughs> most of the time you know you could you could drag somebody in off the street and you know they'll they'll know who's going to win the the, the fight uh, uh but you know you have that level of confidence in certain predictions and like you don't like i you know we were pretty confident uh There was a boxing uh, with Thurman. Thurman, you know, even though I was worried that uh, the judges might have shafted. I, I was pretty confident that if all things were equal, Thurman was going to beat Danny Garcia. I was a little bit more worried about some other, you know what I'm saying? So you have that level of confidence, you know. So, and method, mode of just saying this guy is going to win to me it loses a lot of luster because you got a fifty fifty chance of getting it right, maybe a little less if it's a draw, but you know, who 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 are you impressing, <laughs> you know? Uh but are you going to take that bold prediction and put money down on it, which is what happens a lot. You know, how confident are you then when it comes to that? And sometimes they make it impossible if a guy's too heavy of a favorite to put that money down. So that's why I like to hear method of prediction. So uh, while I'm right. not surprised you picked Rampage, I'm a little surprised you went for the stopper, so it'll be interesting to talk about next week. Yeah,
4: I mean, part of that, I mean, King Mo uh, was, was, I mean, he it was, a, it was scored as a TKO, but I mean, he was out I, it, when he fought Krokov, and that was the center right. the 9th or thirty, whenever that fight was, and here we are with three and a half months later, Is this guy is even okay. I mean, did he did he did he go back into the gym and start getting hit in the head again? Or, you know, did he take 30 days off or, you know, I don't even know. Who knows? Right. So I, I don't know, what you know, what you're getting. Your, your, your chin doesn't get better. You know what I mean? And especially when you're coming mm. off, getting rocked like that. Um, you know, so I, I, that that's partially what, you know, I took into consideration as well going into this. So.
0: All right. Well, it should be fun. And, uh, That'll do it for our uh, return at Zoot's MMA talk. Special thanks to Felicia Spencer, Desmond Green, Nick Rossborough, and of course Eric from New Jersey. Uh, remember to go to RingsideReport.com to see my MMA as well as boxing articles. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Zoot29, capital Z, lowercase U T E, 29. Eric, anything you want to plug out there? Yeah, you're going to jump into the world of social media.
4: Yeah, maybe soon. Maybe soon. All
0: right. Sounds good. Sounds
4: good. And and,
0: uh, about thirty seconds to go in the live feed. And and any closing remarks before we get out of here?
4: No, I I look forward to uh, for for future shows. And thanks for bringing this back. Looking forward to it.
0: All right, we're scheduled to be on the air next week again at six thirty. I already have a couple of guests lined up. Lined up. Eric and Nick Rossboro will be back as well. And uh, we will close by ringing the bell. And I always play this song at the end of the boxing shows and well with the MMA shows, but uh, with the passing of Chuck Berry, it adds a little luster to it. So uh, here's our tribute to the master of rock and roll. It was a teenage wedding and the
2: old folks wished him well. You could see that Pierre did truly love the madame Mose. Some have run the chapel hotel De la the de Ojo It goes to show you never can tell They furnished off an apartment With a 2 room, a robust sale The pool was crammed With TV dinners and ginger ale But when Pierre found work The little money coming worked out well to the oboe. Goes to show you never can tell. They had a hi phone phono boy. Did they let it blast? Seven hundred little records, all rock rhythm and jazz. But when the sun went down, the rapid tempo of the music fell. Seize to the oboe. go to show you never can. tell. And drove it down to Orleans to celebrate the anniversary It was there where Pierre was waiting to the lovely mademoiselle Still are these heavy old folk? Go to show you never can tell